identity goes back to the core of all of it. It goes back to who we are. And I, I, I will often say to people, know who you are and whose you are. Welcome to the Isle of Misfits. I am your humble host and chief misfit, Nancy Carmichael. And today, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm just going to straight out tell you, I am really excited about today's guest. You know, because it's often the case that I'm just getting to know our visitors here on the aisle for the first time. We have a few that, that come again, but you know, for the most part... We're just getting to know these wonderful people, but today's guest, oh, we go way back. Yes, indeed. Today's guest is a pastor, a counselor, a former anchorman, and as such, kind of a big deal. And his name is Jay Lascolia. So, hey, welcome, Jay. I am so glad you could make it. Okay, so now that I'm on the island, I said it, you know, when we didn't record, but now that we're we're live here or on air, I'm gonna be Yukon Cornelius. Okay. So can I can I just sing silver and gold? Oh no, that's the snowman. That's Bill Lives. Oh, oh you, I got the wrong you, one. You can take your pick, because no one's led claim to, to either, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be the snowman. I'll be Burl yeah. Lives. All right, yeah, um, it's so good to be on this podcast with you, Nancy, and to see just uh, just this grow and and how you're just touching lives with this podcast. Now we do know each other for a long time, a long time. And I can that tell your audience long. story upon story. Oh, please um, do. Yes, the more <laughs> embarrassing, the better. I just think you have more of the embarrassing stories regarding me. But <laughs> anyway, what you're talking about twenty some years. We've known each other for twenty some years. Has it and been twenty some years? Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yes. Yeah, and uh, it's just so neat that you're doing this and how God is using this to really minister and touch others. So it's an honor to be on the aisle. Well, aren't you. You, aren't you kind? So, hey, enough about me. We're here to talk about you, um, and we're going to have a lot of fun today. I know there's a lot of cool things that uh, we want to discuss, but I've told everyone a little something, something about you, but what have I left out? What, what do you want us to know about you? Well, um, I would say, you know, it's, it's been really neat. You, you've kind of seen the transformation in my life. Um, you know, I was really 26 when I got serious about my relationship with Jesus Christ and made him Lord and Savior, you know, of my life. And I was in the news business at the time. And um, I, a huge trans, transforming point for me was, um, and that was 1998, but by 2001, September 11th was that moment that we all will remember, you know, the attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon and the plane that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Um, okay, and but, you, were still, you were an anchor at that time, right? You still were doing that. I was, and I actually went to Ground Zero, you know, uh, to the, the Trade Center sites to do special reporting in the days after. And it was there that the Lord really, um, I, I, I was walking with Him, you know, I was three years into my uh, walk as uh, my walk with Jesus, and it was really there that He uh, called me into ministry and said, you know, I, I want you to uh, be my pastor. And, uh, started down that road and you saw some of that as I was making that transition. You saw a lot of it. I you did. were counsel in my life. You know, I was really talking oh, to gosh. my good friends. Oh, sorry <laughs> for whatever I told you that, you know, well, you were a good out. friend that, yeah. that helped guide me, you know, as the good, Lord, good. the Lord was okay. using you. And, and it was, it was, it was, I will say, you know, being in ministry now, uh, about 18 years, it was six years ago that the Lord really, um, solidified on my heart. Uh, a desire and passion for healing ministry. Um, you introduced me as a pastor and a counselor, um, and that's true. But I, uh, I like to call myself a healing minister and a conduit for the Holy Spirit. I know I don't heal, I'm just willing. But I really firmly believe that God uh, sent Jesus not only to save us, and if we look at the word salvation, in Greek it means sozo, which is so much more than just simply saved. Saved you know, the huge part of it. You know, saved, but it means saved, delivered, transformed, healed, made new, or made whole. 
And that's where my heart really lies in seeing people walk in the full healing, whether physical or emotional, because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds and walk in that full healing that he has for them. And I think that's what he, he, he continues to uh, put on our hearts, right? The kingdom, this is so much of the kingdom of God, it's healing. And then there's always the question, well, I prayed for healing. Why didn't it happen here? Why didn't it happen there? And that could be a topic for another time. But Oh, gosh, I mean, we're not going to solve that question today. Darn it, I was hoping that we would. We leave it to God because he's healer. That's okay. what I say. He's All healer. right. Good answer. But that's, that's, that's maybe adding to your original question that my my burden and passion and heart is is to be is healing ministry. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah, and I, it's so cool that I got to see that that early part of your journey from, you know, that kind of a big deal, Anchorman, to uh, to pastor. You pastored at a, at a church for a number of years, and then you, you're still a pastor, you're a counselor, and now you're in this healing ministry, and it's so great. And in the meantime, you met, uh, I married a wonderful woman, you have a family, so it's like I watched you grow up from a pup. Yes, you did. You watched me grow up from Ron Burgundy. To because uh, you used to call me Ron Burgundy. We all did, Jake. man. Yes. we all did. Um, no, you've 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 watched. You know, God does amazing things, and um, yes, I'm married to an amazing woman who has an amazing heart for healing as well and compassion. She's got a compassionate heart. My wife Cherie and I have a 13 and a half year old. Teenage daughter who Wow, I, 13 and a half. Yes. When did I, that happen? Abby's growing by leaps and bounds, but she's my little girl, Abby, and then my son, uh, Noah, who's nine and a half. And having a, a girl and a boy, it just, it really has balanced me out in so many ways. Having kids in general has helped me grow up. It does help you grow up, this is for yeah. sure. So, so, yes, love them all. That is wonderful that's such a wonderful story we could just wrap it up right here okay thanks for coming by jay but no there's so much more to talk about so <laughs> one thing you didn't mention and i kind of can't believe it aside from you being a big deal you're a little bit of a music buff and i know you have other other things other interests but we're gonna hone in home in eric Taxis would say home in on the music buff because i think you know what's coming in fact all the listeners do so so before you do that, okay. can I just say, All right. I entered at the Boyd's Bear factory uh, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I was down there for vacation. Yes. Another passion entered, of yours, right? Yes, yes, yes. I do love studying history and Civil War history. But I was down there, and that they've since gone out of business, but they had this you know, huge Boyd's Bear barn. And they did. Boyd's Bear. They were giving bears away for an 80s trivia contest right in their lobby. Nice. And I said, you took it I'm home, signing didn't you? up for it. You, did. I took, you took it home. I was naming songs on the third Tune. Remember, name that tune. Can on the, you name this? On the, on the, okay. The third note, third That's note. impressive. However, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna pull you back a decade because I'm all about the '70s. Anyone who knows me, and I think I think oh, if I remember, I don't know because I remember back in the day, back when we were hanging out at Applebee's or wherever we all used to hang out in the day. I remember distinctly playing name that tune to whatever was playing in the music background so we had a point system if you remember name the yes, tune, we did. name the artist yes. name the year you got a point for each so yes here's what we're gonna do today so because of licensing i can't play that tune but i can whistle it so i'm gonna whistle you a little tune and we're gonna see if you can recognize the tune okay do I, what, do I win? what do i get out of do oh, I, do you I get that? you'll find out that will be revealed <laughs> all in good time at the time of my choosing so okay all right um and if you need to i'll give you i can give you hints if you need but we'll see how good you are so are you ready you're doing 70s not 80s it, almost yeah i think so it looks maybe i'll just for fun throw an 80s one in there but i'm not going to tell you when Okay, so I have to guess your whistling. You have to guess my whistling. And yeah, so by the way, it's a stupid game if I haven't said that already because I, I'd like to think I've trademarked the stupid game. Well, the Isle of Misfit, you know, is, is known for, you know, the Isle of Misfits is known for the stupid game. So I'm, on, I'm honored to be a part of I it. I like to think, yeah, I like, you know, the association. The When you think of stupid game, think of me. So if John yeah. Eldridge has played these stupid he games... Has. I, I, I'm just like, wow. I've had, I've had geniuses play this game. So not that, not that I'm not saying you're a ge not a genius, because you are. <laughs> so 
So I'm just I'm just saying. Okay, so here we go. Without any further ado, your first song. I I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little hint on this one. I will say it is from 1976, and it is a sad song indeed. All right, ready? I'm gonna try it. I don't know how this is gonna go. I haven't tried whistling the microphone. Whistle it. Okay. I'm gonna say all, right. all by right. myself by Eric Carmen. Oh my gosh, that is absolutely incorrect. But that would have been a good guess. Okay. Okay. Because right. you said 1976. It was so 1976. I... Yeah. No googling, okay. by the way. I'm gonna hear the little keyboard in the background. So, okay. Let's see if we can do this. That's all I'm gonna give you. I'll hum it next. Henry Gross, right? Henry, Henry Gross, Gross yeah. that, my friend, is impressive. I'm not even sure. I did Google it. it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that song. She's drifting out to sea. It's a sad yeah. song. It's really good. You're whistling, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think Shannon was his dog, if I'm not It was, yeah, it was his dog, yeah. yeah. You know, I should tell everybody, I used to be a radio disc jockey before a television news anchor, so I played a lot of these songs. Done it all. So you know the 70s, yeah. The 70s yeah. was the best decade for music. I was a radio disc jockey in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, let's see. Anyway. But you had, you had the whole library of 70s music. Why even bother with the 80s? So. Oh, 70s were a good decade. That's Although they saying. burned disco albums at the end. Of the yeah, decade. those were good. Album. The fashion was anyway. terrible, but yeah, right up until 76. That was the cutoff, I think. Okay, number, I think you're right. Number two. Okay. This is more tragedy. All right. And another 1976 song. Tragedy by the Bee Gees? No, no, okay. no. I told you, no disco. Okay. Uh, okay. I gotta, I gotta prime myself here. Directly <laughs> I was going to say it before you whistled it because you said tragedy. You gave me the clue. I did. All right. No more clues for you. You're too so you want to know the history? The Edmund Fitzgerald did yeah. wreck on Lake Superior. Oh, I know. Back, yeah. It was in, I they think it was. Yeah, yeah. Superior, they said, never gives up her dead. When the gales of November come early. Oh, yes. And yeah. then gloomy is in there somewhere. Gloomy, gloomy yeah. Okay, good. Am I two for two? You are two for two. You are, okay. yeah, you are rolling, friend. Okay, here's no, I'm not going to give you any hint for this because you're just going to know it. Any hint would just give it away. All right. Oh, yes. The, the yes, uh, yes, the one and only Barry Manilow. Mandy. <laughs> yeah. It was originally Brandy. Was it? But then... it was recorded by uh, Scott. Um, he wasn't well known. Scott, I can't remember his last name, but it was really it was originally recorded as Brandy, and and Barry Manilow changed it to Mandy. Now, did he do that because there was another song named Brandy, who was a fine girl and what a good wife she would be? Is that why you no, changed it? Same, no, it wasn't that same Brandy. It okay. was a different. It was Got Scott. It. Okay. Uh, I can't remember his name. I knew the history of this, right. and I think he changed it to Mandy because of his dog. Oh, oh! So Mandy was a dog who gave. No, came and gave without taking. Oh, that just changes everything. But he, you know, you had to send, you sent him away. Yeah. And did you know I had a whole other narrative in my mind about the song. Wow, you've just blown it. Okay. What is the only Barry Manilow song that does not have the name of the title of the song in the song? Ooh, I was going to say, what is the only Barry Manilow song that doesn't have a key change? Because I can't name you one of those. Yeah, um, that's true. Oh boy, um, uh, uh, some something in New England, right? Yeah, so, weekend, yeah, weekend in New England. In New England. Never, yes, he never says weekend in New England. See, I knew that. Yes, he never does actually say weekend in New England at all, right? So, but he, no, he describes doesn't. it. He shows us instead of tells us, which is what good writers do. Well, I'm impressed with your whistling. That well, was thank really you, good. thank you. Yeah, I'm impressed too. I didn't. I should have probably practiced this before. So, um, yeah, we're just. And I actually interviewed Barry Manilow when he came to Binghamton, New York, a number of years ago. Really, that must have been the thrill yeah. of your life, because what we haven't discussed is that you are a huge fan of Fanilow. <laughs> fan <of> <laughs> 
um i just i you know i, I love music and and he uh he definitely and, and he definitely makes all the music that makes the he whole world sing songs that yes. makes the whole world sing exactly yeah, so. okay don't be ashamed own it, own you, know, it right? you, you and i we could do this all afternoon you know oh, that, yeah, right? well, i forgot to tell you this is the whole podcast we're just gonna keep doing this so, okay <laughs> one, all right one more um and uh, i'll just tell you, it's another it's another manilow song because I had to. All right, here we go. Come on. Looks you to, yes. We made it. <laughs> I knew you had to know that one. Yeah, I didn't I'm know. just that. waiting for you to finish. Yeah. So I uh, how polite of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, feel free to jump in it. Yeah. Because I don't, yeah. I don't know how much whistling breath I have left in my body. Okay. Okay. So for four. And can you name the year? I'll give you a hint. Looks like we made it. Do you want to know the year for that one? I do. I know it. I just want to know um, if you know it. Uh, ooh. I'll tell you what. If I you want guess, to say 70. Yes, yes. Seven, it's either 77 or 78. So, I'm going to go with 78. 78. I'm going to go with you were almost, I almost gave it to you. 76, actually. So 76 oh, wow. was like, it was a great year. Record the and Fitzgerald. Looks like we made it. So, yeah. And uh, Shannon, of course. So that was. You You stayed in one year. You well, said I, all these were 76. Almost all of them. Okay. So now we're going to go. Mandy was it? Mandy was like 73, 74. Right. It was 74. Yeah. 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 But the but the sadness lived on. Okay. All right. Now we're going to go all the way back to 1971. And that's all I'm going to tell you. Ready? I'm ready. Right. <laughs> I got to psych myself up for this. All right. Do it again. Oh my goodness, I know this. I can't think of it. Did I finally stump you? I think you stumped I'm me. I'm so proud. That was Melody and Brand New Key. Well, I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. you got a brand new key. Very obscure. You, you got me. And you got me. Iconic to my early childhood. You were barely born then. I don't think maybe you weren't even born then. February 4th. I turned 50 years old. So February 4th <gasps> in 1972. Do you know what the that number one song it. was? Uh Boy, oh boy, I, sh I should know. I was alive then, but I probably wasn't following the top 40 at that time. The number one song, February 4th, 1972, when I was born, was American Pie by Donald Trump. <gasps> oh, that is iconic. You know what mine iconic. is? Yeah. I looked so mine up. Bye, bye. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is like, the, the, yes, the defining song of a whole generation. I think mine was um, something about so the grass. When I was a teenager, I drove my Chevy to the levee, but, but the, the levee, levee was, was dry. dry. And that yeah. was the 1972 yeah. flood, which anyone who didn't grow up in, you know, upstate New York has no idea what we're talking about, but that was, yeah, that was a milestone. Uh, huge floods flooded like a big area of New York. And yeah, so the levee was not dry that day is all I'm saying. No, it was okay. not. All right. All right. Well, hey, I'm really proud that I stumped you on Brandy You did. Cake. Yeah. You got me on that one. All right. All right. One more. And then I think it's time to move on, but I just love this so much. Okay. 1972, the year you were born. There. That's all I'm going to give you. Okay. I'll skip to the to the chorus. Oh, the carpenters! Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, the carpenters. Set the key too high. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Come on. Do that chorus again. Right, I'm, gonna right. get it. I'm gonna bring the key down a little bit. Oh my goodness, Nancy. I want to say rainy days and Mondays, but no, it's not rainy days and Mondays. Of course it's, not. Uh, it's No, it's the opposite of that. It's a feel-good song, because such a feeling's yes, coming over me. There's wonder in most everything I see. Not a cloud in the sky. Got the sun in my eye. And I won't be surprised if it's a dream. I'm on the top of the world, my friend. 
No, but I get, I get partial credit because I got Carpenters. You do, yes, you did get Carpenters, so we do partial credit, and I would say you did so well on the others. So your prize, my friend, in lieu of a misfit mug, which I ran out of, uh, you will be getting something random from my house delivered to your door <laughs> at some point in the near future. Looking forward to it. <laughs> There's no telling what it's going to be. So just you know, just know that I'm just, in junking just, mode. Don't send me, don't send me, you know, Ken's uh, dirty sock or anything like that. Oh no, it'll be clean. It might be old and have holes, but it'll be clean. It'll, it will be yeah. a clean sock of Ken's. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I wouldn't do you wrong. Hey, okay. Congratulations, you did a great job. Well, thank you. That was fun. Oh my goodness, that was a good time. <laughs> it is a good that time. See, you whistle well. Why? Thank you. I was so nervous about it. So now I know. Now I know I can, but. I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but it's nice to know. I thought you were going to give me the final Beatles hit, which I think it was 72 or 73 that they broke up, but there was they left with an iconic song, right? They broke up with an iconic song, The Long and Winding Road. Yes, which really just was very fitting, right? Because it was their long was 71, but it was early 70s. I think so. Maybe. I thought 70 was it for them, but you could be right. I do fancy myself uh, a Beatles uh I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not an expert, but I'm close. That has I'm to close. be my favorite yeah. Beatles song, and people are like, "Really, Jay? I love the Long and Winding Road. It just it was the way to to go out well, for epic. them as a super group. Right. It was the way to go out. Well, it tells a story, really, and there's hope, yeah. right? There's yeah. hope in it, and we're yeah. we're all looking for hope. So that's our perfect segue into the next segment of our of our talk. Because yeah, you know people are looking for hope and i think obviously that's why we listen to music that's why you know we're into the arts we're into you know because there's this there's this whole theme right um now i'm gonna, just going to be i promise i won't channel john eldridge this whole conversation um but you know eternity right eternity is written on our hearts that's the bible by yeah. the way that's not john eldridge but he talks about that a lot and and there's something in us that that we we resonate with those myths of you know looking for a story that has a happy ending. Well, and I, and I just want to say, yeah, and, and he, oh my goodness, he's he referenced that in Wild at Heart, you know, it was one of my favorite books by him. But the book that impacted me the, the most, and I know we're not talking about John, I know he's been a guest on here, and I, next time you talk to him, tell him I said hi. Oh, um, yeah, we're tight, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's important for authors and, and preachers, those that are influencers, to know what influence, you know, Right. They have on others. And I'll tell right. you, his book, Waking the Dead, if you have not read that book, and I'm just talking to your audience now, that book is a great example of God's healing power in your life when he talks about the four streams and the healing of the heart. That book had probably one of the greatest impacts on me. I was able to teach from it. I reference it, you know, at times in counseling and encourage people that I'm working with to read it because God wants our heart to be healed. He's always giving us hope. You know, I mentioned that 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 uh, word salvation earlier on. You know, that there's so much in that word. You know, it's 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 because of Jesus we can be healed and made whole. And, and John does a great job of, of explaining that in the book. So, yeah, I really appreciate all he's done for the kingdom of God. Yeah, and, you know, I'm glad you brought up that book because I think, again, this is a great segue into what I, what I think you and I are gravitating towards. And the, the, that, the beginning of that book talked about um, something called uh, a concept called oriented times zero. I might be butchering it a little bit, but the idea of not knowing, not being oriented, not knowing where we are. And in that context, it was ha having to do with being in an airplane and fog and near a mountain and, you know, but oh my goodness, if you take that analogy and kind of blow it up to where we all are as a culture right now, you know, not just kind of we're flying around, things are a little bit foggy and it's like, where are we <laughs> right now? And this is maybe my clumsy way of getting into, I, I want to talk about identity because yeah. this, it's at the heart of what you do, right? In your counseling and uh, pastoral healing ministry. And boy, is it where we are right now? Just where are we? Who are we? Yeah. And um, identity goes back to the core of all of it. It goes back to who we are. And I, I, I will often say to people, know who you are and whose you are. Okay. Um, 
one of the reasons why I, I, I am a pastor, but I'm not pastoring a church. I'm I'm part of the church, universal, right? I attend a local church, but I'm not on staff or pastoring a church. I left that back in 2017 to um, just have freedom to meet with people one-on-one to help them walk in in healing, to find healing in Christ and walk it out and, and to meet with them as a counselor and healer. And I really felt the Holy Spirit put on my heart from, from that that moment, help people know who they are and whose they are, because that's where it was lost. Remember in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus makes this statement, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give it abundantly or to the fullest. He, it's interesting. He uses the word thief. Right. Satan, the enemy, is a thief. And what is the first thing he's trying to steal from people? Hope. What is it? Hope. I mean, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy anything that has anything to do with life, right? Definitely, yeah. definitely. But he goes after first our identity. Mm-hmm. He's an identity mm-hmm. thief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's you an are. identity thief. If he could get you to believe that you're not God's son or you're not God's daughter, then you lose hope. Identity theft. There's a sermon series right, right there. Then you lose hope. Then you can't trust God. If you can't see God as a good, perfect, loving father, you're not going to trust him. Your hope is going to be in other things that will fail and crumble. Okay. Oh, this but, okay. This is so so and there and, and, and a lot of time in counseling, and I and, and I'll let you go to that in just a second. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to oh, no, but a lot of no, time no. in counseling, people have barriers in seeing God as a good loving father because of the pain they experienced from their earthly father or even their earthly mother, earthly parent. They can't go to seeing God as a good, loving dad or even daddy because of that. And speaking of John Eldridge again, John has done a tremendous job of bringing that reality that God is a good, loving dad. And it's be, it's, 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 it's being taught and, and even preached more and more now in these days because in culture, identity has gone amok. We're, we're now assigning identity to strictly sexual identity, which is not true identity. True identity is you were made in the image of God. And you, you can't change whether you are a male or a female because God already ordained that. We like to be our own gods in, 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 in human secularism. I'm not saying that believers like to be in their, their own gods. I'm just saying culture... The world, human right. secularism is saying, I'm my own God. Well, that's our tendency, Humanism. right? That is our, that's the tendency yeah. that we have before, before we really know true life. And it started in the garden. Yeah. When they said, I know better than God. Yep. When we changed marriage, we're saying again, God made a mistake. God didn't know what he was doing. I know what I'm doing. I know what I need. And that goes back to the fall. That goes back to the beginning. Right. Human nature doesn't change. It only changes when the internal nature, accepting Jesus Christ, inviting him into your life and letting the Holy Spirit rule and reign in you, then your human nature will change to a nature of a child of God. Okay. All right. So this is this is a good place because I think I want to back up and let's, I hate to say unpack, because it's such an overused saying. It's so, a lot. It's a lot. I just threw out there. I <laughs> but, know. But this, it's so good. I want to uh, I, I want to stay here for a while. I want to marinate in this for a while, because I want to go back to one of the first things that you said as a counselor. There's, there's two questions, right? Who are you? And the second question is, who's are you? And you know, those questions, you they could just be, oh my gosh, that's a no-brainer. Why are you even asking me this? Of course, you know, of course I, I you know, I'm so-and-so's daughter, I'm so-and-so's wife, I'm so-and-so's mother, I'm, you know, I do this, it's, you know, all the different ways that we define ourselves. But in this day and age that we're in, that is the question. Who are you? And it goes back to the more important question of whose are you? Because as you just said, right now in our culture, we have collectively 
not every single person, but there is a movement to say, I decide who I am. I determine what gender I am. I, I determine if I even want to be a gender. Or, and like you said, it's not just about gender or sexual identity, but it's, it's anything. Hey, if I identify as this or that, I'm the one who calls the shots. It, it's not about a creator. It's about me. It begins and ends with me. And then coincidentally, maybe not so much, we're seeing such a rise in mental health issues and emotional health issues and despair and hopelessness. And I don't know, Jane, is there a connection between those two things? Yes. Yes. And it just goes back to, we enter a broken and fallen world and we, we get wounded Sometimes that wound, those woundings are traumatic and it's trauma. And what I've seen in the cases where people are trying to take it away from God and make their own decisions, they're, 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 they're making decisions out of their woundings. Mm-hmm. The, the prism is, is cracked, what they're looking through. And this is where God wants to restore identity and say, no, I want to show you a lens of truth. So you can see this is who I made you to be. In the inner healing ministry that I lead at our church, we'll take people, we'll take them back to, I believe it's Psalm 137, where it says, I have knitted you, I have Mm -hmm. formed you in your mother's womb. Mm -hmm. You were were ordained, it says in, 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 in Ephesians chapter one. You were chosen. God made this plan for you. When we know who we are and whose we are, that we're God's son or God's daughter, we will thrive and have hope even in the most dire of circumstances. There's still that struggle and that healing can only happen through Jesus Christ. Right. And you know what? So, Jay. And his love. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you, you said a few minutes ago, and I think this is really important, so I want to punctuate it, that this is this is more than about sexual identity because we could talk about Correct. we could talk about that and and there's truth in what you're saying but i think what we're seeing now is that's just one manifestation of this identity crisis we're all in because uh, right. you remember c.s lewis years ago wrote um he he wrote about uh you know, is God, uh, you know, Jesus, is he Lord, lunatic, or liar? And in that, he talked about, you know, if he if he said, like a madman saying, I am a poached egg, you know, and we all at the time recognized, well, of course, nobody would say they're a poached egg, because that's crazy. <laughs> but you know what? In today's world, hey, if you want to identify as a poached egg, who am I to stop you? If you want to say you're a six-year-old girl, if you want to say you're an animal, you know, who am I to tell you no? That's your reality. So. I, I want to zoom out here because I don't want us to get just locked into, well, this is just, we're talking about homosexuality. No, this is about identity and acknowledging that we're not it. And that's bad news for those of us that want to call the shots, but it's really good news because I think we find when we're calling the shots, wow, that's way above our pay grade. We're not meant to do it. It's too much. Yes. You're absolutely right. And I, I, I quoted the wrong psalm before. It's Psalm 139. 139. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were close. About, you were close. Yeah, but it, it talks about our identity. And honestly, we want God, who's a loving, perfect Father, who's all-knowing, who's saying, whoa, I see if you go down this path, there's going to be trouble. I want to direct you this way. Hold my hand. Walk with me. He doesn't force himself on us. If we pull our hand away, like a child running out in the street, he's going to, you know, he's going to yell for us. Hey, come back, come back. But he's not going to, you know, force himself on us because of free will. And I just think there's freedom. And I believe this in my heart. There's freedom when we say, okay, God, you're all knowing. You made me. You know what's best for me. If Jesus said, I've come to give life to the fullest, I want that full life. I want to walk with you in that. Because Jesus went on to say, apart from me, it's going to be disastrous. You're going to do nothing. And, and, but from the very beginning, right, the, the beginning of all of this, the enemy, Satan himself, deceived mankind by making them believe, does God really, or question, does God did really, he really know? Yeah. 
Did he really? Did, you, you could know better, in other words. You could make a better decision. Right. And I see it all the time. I see people, and it's like, no, you're, you're going down. It's like, you, you know, you're driving down. You're on a train, right? And and the, and the, and there's the sign saying, slow the train down because the track's not finished. It's going to go off in a cliff. Mm. But people are still speeding down that road. They're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for truth. They're looking for their heart to be whole. And that can only happen through Jesus Christ. That can only happen by living and walking with God who has your best in mind, who is that perfect father. Maybe you had a father who was abusive or neglectful or didn't ever show you affection or berated you and criticized you or maybe left you and your mom when you were a child. That's not God. He's that daddy you've always dreamed of. And that's the identity he wants for us. Most of what I do in ministry is helping believers who have grown up in the church. Right but never learned their identity. Right. They learned a lot about rules and regulations, right. and that's not the heart of the yes. gospel. Yes, sin management, they call it, right? Yes. Yeah, that's sin management. That's legalism. But they never learned that your heavenly Father loves you, and he wants a relationship with you, a father-son or father-daughter relationship, and he'll help you find healing so you won't go down the road of destruction that sin can lead to. Because it hurts you. It hurts your soul. You make decisions and you do things that can literally lead to death. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin equals death. Right. Yep. It can literally lead to death. Right. There. Yep. You know, 80% of terminal, this is a secular study by doctors, 80% of terminal or serious illness, this includes cancer, is due to the fact that there are wounds in the soul that have led to unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. Okay. 80% has to do with heart wounds. I'm not talking about a physical heart wound. I'm talking about an emotional heart wound. 80% of physical terminal ailments are because of that. Okay, I might have to ask you to put um, to give me the link or something for that that I can put in the show notes because I'm really I'm interested in reading more about that. So there's been a, uh, a couple of references to it, but I will give you the reference. It's And, and I read it in... Um, um, a uh, great book by David Siemens, Healing for Damaged Emotions. Um, and it was in there that I read it. And it's actually, uh, the recent, the recent uh, study said 80%. And I'd actually heard that in a podcast. But I can give you, this is from Dr. David Belgium, uh, B-E-L-G-U-M. He says 75% of people in hospitals with physical illnesses have sicknesses rooted in emotional causes. Mm. Which include what I mentioned, mm -hmm. unforgiveness, yeah. bitterness. So we're heart sick, right? Our, and heart, heart sick. Heart sick. And it's on, um, I have the paperback copy. I'm reading it to you right now. It's page 32 of Healing for Damaged Emotions. So you can reference that in there. I'll actually take a picture and send it to you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so oh, you can you. reference that. But that's 75%. Right. And again, I heard in a podcast say 80%. Yeah. No, but thank but you that's for that. But I know it's, yeah. And I know it's a rabbit trail, but it's important because, you know, making all these 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 causal connections because we're not compartmentalized people, right? We're not, well, we're our physical being, we're our social being, and we're our, uh, our, our spiritual being. No, we're, we're one person, and one thing affects all of the other things. Right. The Apostle right. Paul wrote that we're spirit, soul, and body. We're one. We're still one. But it's spirit, soul, and body. You're absolutely right. If your heart's sick, you will get physically sick if that's not been healed. I see it in people. When I go to the hospital to visit people, I can see it in their countenance and their demeanor. You know, you see the physical sickness, but most of these people have been beaten up in life. They're carrying serious, deep wounds, inner children wounds, right? And then the enemy of God, Satan, and I'm going to talk about a reality here. This is not something out of... Uh, you know, uh, crazy land here. This is a reality. The spiritual realm is real. There are angels and demons. And just like angels are assigned by God to help us, demons are assigned by Satan to try to destroy us. Demons of anxiety, demons of depression, demons of hate, demons of bitterness, rage, unforgiveness. And they latch on to people because they have wounds to feed off of. Charles Kraft said, uh, who's a 20th century 
uh, inner healer. It's a model we use in our ministry. He wrote a great book called, and I'm just going to reference it, Deep Wounds, Deep Healing. He says, demons are like rats that feed off of the garbage, which are our wounds. When the wounds get healed, the demons don't have anything to feed off of, and they're easier to get rid of. Mm. We also have power and authority as believers to say, be God in the name of Jesus. Jesus right. gave us that. Also to be healed in the name of Jesus, right? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to hit the pause there just for a second, because I know there's people all listening right now, like, okay, I'm checking out. They're talking about weird stuff. So, all right, let's just let's just stay here for a second because yeah, all right, we're we're talking about we're talking about spiritual realities. Some people believe it, some people don't. So for those that are, are skeptical, right? And and I, I get it. We're not talking about just being crazy, but let me let me pose this. You know, we might get a little skittish talking about stuff like this, but at the same time, how many movies are about the occult or about the paranormal. Like how much of a fascination do we have in our culture where we're willing to read books, you know, whether it's sci-fi or paranormal, paranormal, occultish, whatever, 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 that that explores all of these. I mean, even Doctor Who, for goodness sake, you know, the, the spiritual possibilities. So... That I just want to throw that in there before someone checks out and says, okay, now you've gotten crazy. Well, maybe, maybe not, but these, you know, if, if there are things that we cannot explain, it's at least worth checking into. And I, yes, and, and, and I, I think we're starting to see uh, God is opening up the eyes of many to see the spiritual. Because think about it for a second. At the very core of your being is a spirit. We're spirit, soul, and body. So the very core, the moment you were conceived, you were given a spirit. That spirit will live on. Okay? That will live on after the body dies. The soul, where the wounds are, is your mind, will, and emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, the body is not going to live on, as, as I mentioned before, but the spirit will. So the spiritual realm, it even says in Scripture, God is spirit. If, we're gonna, if, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're going to be with Jesus, you're going to be in heaven in the spiritual, okay? Yes, we know as Christians that Jesus is coming again, and we will get new bodies, and heaven and earth will be one, and we will be in the physical again, and our bodies will never die. Okay, that's... I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but you can ask your pastor about eschatology, right? <laughs> Go into end time study. Um, small topic. Uh, we won't get into that today. But regardless, you ha- I want to go back to you have a spirit at the center of who you are. So there is a realm where that spirit is in tune to. It should be in tune to. Yeah. Right. And I think most people are comfortable. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, but I think um, I, I just think it's worth just just spending some time on this because we're comfortable saying, "Oh yeah, I got the spirit." You know, we, we throw these terms around. We're comfortable with them, but when it plays out, it's like, "Well, okay, but this is this is what we're really talking about." That I I think we're willful, willfully ignorant. Maybe sometimes it's like, "Okay, I want to talk about it, but I don't really want to." know about it because that's that's too weird you know but all right i might even edit out what i just said but i, think I, I just a, think i it's think worth... you make a really good point nancy um but going back to identity here again the thief and again you have to address the spiritual realm because the enemy satan is a deceiver he's called the father of lies and he's also called a thief so if he's trying to deceive you which he's deceiving many people by stealing your identity, and again, we're not making this strictly about sexual identity. I'm talking about your identity and knowing who you are and whose you are as a son or daughter of God. That's the first place he's going to go. He's going to try to steal your identity by deceiving you and making you question, are you really God's son? Does God really love you? Are you good enough? That's the big lie he speaks. You're not good enough. You're not enough. Or gets you to question mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And God says, yes, the world lies to us. The world, the way people treat each other at times is, oh, you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. 
But God's saying, there's nothing wrong with you. I love you. And I want you into the family. Yes, before we give our lives to Jesus Christ, there is, not to get into a theological discussion, but this needs to be said, there is a brokenness in us, an original sin that came from the fall of Adam and Eve believing a lie. So we still have to make that decision to say, I want your salvation, which is, I want to be saved, I want to be healed, I want to be restored, I want all of it, Jesus, I want you. Then we are adopted into the family. We become co-heirs, yeah. Right, right, because the question, yeah, yeah, the, that question of, am I good enough? Because I see another side of it, you know, a lot of people suffer from self-esteem issues, oh, I'm not good enough, beat yourself up, all the shame, and all, that's real, but... But without what you just said, without, okay, I'm, I'm good enough because God says I'm good enough. If you divorce it from that and just, well, I'm good enough because I say I'm good enough. That again is, it's a ticket to nowhere. It's a ticket to despair because here's the bad news. The bad news is you're not in charge, right? But the good news is you're not in charge, right? (laughs) Because yeah, if, if it all comes back if it begins and ends with us again that is too much pressure for us to define our own self-worth is it's just a vicious cycle that goes nowhere and it yes and and you just prompted something you know and i've even heard this in christian circles well i'm broken i'm broken and i'm good with that i'm Mm -hmm. broken i'm good with that i'm like okay it's important to realize that we're not perfect. We shouldn't strive for, for, for perfection. That's not the goal. Jesus took care of all that on the cross. Yes, you have wounds and there's a brokenness, but he doesn't want you to stay broken. Because we can fall into that victim mentality too, and I see this with a lot of Christians who don't know their identity because they're just saying, you know what, I'm not good enough, I'm broken, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to acknowledge you need healing and there is a brokenness, but it's not okay to right. live there because you're called royalty. You're called an heir. You're a child of God and he wants to make you completely whole. You can't do it. You partner with him, but you can't do it in your own strength. He wants to do yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point because yeah. So this whole thing, yeah, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace or, or, you know, one of my favorites is when people take that Jeremiah scripture, oh, well, the heart is deceitfully wicked. So therefore, so, all right, since we're here, I'm just going to go there. So all of that is true on our own in our rebellion when we're like, nope, I'm in charge, not God. All of that is true because we're dead. We're dead on inside because we can't generate our own life. Yeah, we have these physical bodies, but the end of this life is the end of this life for those of us who who don't reconcile where true life is in Jesus. So, so yeah, apart from Jesus, deceitfully wicked, dead in our transgressions, in our transgressions all of it is true. But but as the Bible say, once we've had that transformation, once we have reckoned with Jesus and said, you know what, I'm going to take what you did for me. By the way, dying on the cross for our sins, raising from the dead, all of that. That's what he did for us. Took it on himself. And he defeated death in the process. From that point on, it's no longer who we are. We're not deceitfully wicked at our core any longer. We're not dead in our transgressions. We are alive. And I'm talking to Christians now. I'm not trying to leave other people out. I'm just saying this is biblical truth. So to say, yeah, I'm broken. Well, sometimes we have brokenness before Jesus. And and yes, he's our whole life is about healing and transformation and all of that. But I agree with you. I guess it was my long way of saying I agree with you, but I think this is so important to make this distinction. That's right. It is. It definitely is that you are a new creation, the Bible says. When you become a believer and you accept Jesus into your life, you are a new creation. You are not perfect in the sense that you'll go the rest of your life without mistakes or sin or or won't get hurt or broken, but you'll take that to Jesus. Jesus will meet you in that hurt. He will meet you in that wound. He'll meet you in the mistakes. I love what Psalm 37 says at the end. You know, God calls us godly, those of us that, you know, have given our lives to Christ and are children of God. He says, we're godly. And he says, even though the godly stumble, they'll never fall because I'll hold you by the hand. Meaning I'll dust you off and I'll pick you back up. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. 
It was for our past, present, and future sins. Now, that doesn't give us a license to say, oh, great, I'm going to go live as I want to. And part of the expression, raise hell. But it's saying, when when I make a mistake, because I'm still human, that Jesus is right there to forgive me. The Bible says when we confess our sins, he's quick to forgive. He's quick to forgive. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's so important because when you become a believer, you won't want to live as your right. old self. Right. The core. Yep. You'll constantly yeah, the core of who you are changes. That's the way I see it. You know, like I know this. That goes back to the spirit. It goes back to the spirit and then the soul. Yes. And then you, you see a little, I've seen a transformation in people physically. I've seen people healed physically after they've come to Christ and they've dealt with their unforgiveness and their hurt and their bitterness. I've seen them transform. I've seen them get literally physically healthier. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what Jesus came to do, right? He came to transform us. You know, we're in an information age. There's so much information and a lot of it is good information, but we are starved not for information. We're starved for transformation. And that's what you're talking about. That's right. And people are so hungry that to ease their pain, they're so hungry for hope, but they're also, I want this pain to stop. I want this pain to stop. And I've got this behavior. You know, remember, behavior comes out of, um, you know, what's in your heart, what's going on in your heart. And that can be fueled by your thoughts as well. And the enemy, again, the father of lies, speaks lies into our minds. And people are looking for just any way to, um, for this pain to stop, that they will believe certain lies that 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 kind of uh, reconcile their actions that may be unhealthy or are unhealthy, but they're reconciling them because they think, well, mm-hmm. that's just who mm-hmm. I am. But in the long run, it doesn't mm-hmm. bring healing and it doesn't bring um, wholeness to them. So they're still battling that. The only way someone can be completely healed is by inviting Jesus in, the one true healer who came to heal mm-hmm. the brokenhearted and bind up the Yeah, wounds. so I just reverse engineered what you just said. So that's because I'm married to an engineer, and I think that way now. It's a little scary. So uh, you talked about um, so behavior, right? So behavior backs up to what's in your heart, and your heart backs up to what you believe. And what you believe You're backs right. up to what you hear. Oh, and doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't there a isn't there a verse in Romans that talks about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? But I always think about that principle. What we hear the most is what we believe. And if we're telling ourselves, well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm not this, I'm not that, even to the core of, well, I say I'm this, I identify as that. If that's all I'm hearing, and if I'm making sure that I put myself, you know, where my ears are only being affirmed. According, accordingly, well, of course, that's what I'm going to believe. And of course, that's what I'm going to store up in my heart. And it's going to come out in my actions. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And there's another passage in Romans that says this. It says, you know, stop doing what culture is doing. Stop believing what yeah. the world's telling you. But instead, be transformed, be changed, be morphed by the renewing of right. your mind. Right. And how do we do that? I, um, I'm, I'm stealing this from somebody else, but it was so good. We change the way we think, right? Because we yes. can't renew our, you yeah. know, we can't transform our own minds. Like you said, that's Jesus. That's His job. But we renew our minds by changing the way we think. And then it says, "This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect." In God's eyes, not that you have to be perfect, but by changing the way you think, renewing your mind every day to what God says about you right, is going to change that in your heart. You're absolutely right. And the battle is, as Joyce Meyer says in the title of her book, uh, what is it? Battlefield of the Mind. I've heard of it. Yeah. The battle is in the mind. The battle is in the mind. And if if you're listening to culture, and and I'm talking to people, I, I do this, I say this a lot in counseling, when I have clients that are you know, just believing lies and are, um, are uh, you know, just uh, deceived or anxious even. I'll say, what are you taking in? Because we know physically eating too much junk food is going to make us sick. So what are you taking in 
in your mind? Are you taking more of what the world's saying, whether it's news, whether it's Facebook or other social yeah. media? I don't know, Jay. I identify as someone who can eat as much junk food as I want and just be on social media all day and be mentally and physically fit. So there's that. <laughs> Then you're an exception. <laughs> Thank you. Because, I, mean, no, really, I mean, I hear what you're saying. That's, I mean, it's exactly right. But isn't that like we don't come out and say that? But isn't that kind of you know, our actions say more about what we really believe than sometimes even what we're saying in a conversation because we just want to say the right answers. Yeah, and and I, I exactly, and and I'll tell you from from personal experience, I have to take a break from Facebook at times. I, may I go just on got there. off it entirely. Can you believe it? Yeah, I, I did at one time uh, for about six weeks. Went off of it, and I'm 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 possibly going to do the same again. I, I do use it for ministry, and I, and I I, uh, I I'm wrestling with that. But what oh, I, I find you. myself doing is is when I get bored or I'm feeling a certain way emotionally. Right, we we our emotions can't rule our lives. That's the other thing. We have to subdue and ask God's help in this to subdue our emotions, because I could feel like lonely in a moment or just down, and I can open up Facebook and scroll. And is that making me feel better? No. In the in the no. moment, maybe right, because we do it for a reason. We do it for the dopamine. We do it, you know, because yeah. there's there's been research that that shows that yeah, there's like these little dopamine or serotonin or something, you know, like uh, every time we get a like or you know, and it's like a little boost. Um, but it's like a drug because you you have to go back more and more and more to get a diminished return. But yeah, I, I hear it, what it, you're when saying. You feed so, wounds yeah. not with God's healing, right. but with other things, it becomes self medicating. Right, right. And people self-medicate multiple ways. I mentioned social media, but the, the, the pornography epidemic, that's a major way of self-medicating uh, due to a lack of intimacy or connection wound right. there, an abandonment wound. Um, and I don't, I don't say any of this to sound like I'm, 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 I'm judging. It's not my heart. I deal with this. I've dealt with a lot of this in my own life, in my own healing journey. Um, but I've also, I'm, I'm working with others in this. And the beautiful thing is God is a God of love, a good father of compassion, who's not waiting up there to throw a lightning bolt at you when you mess up. When you right. open up a, and look at a website that, you know, you, you shouldn't be looking at. He's not there to beat you up. He's there to say, come here, my son, come here, my daughter. Let me help you. Let me help you. Right. And, you know, I think it's worth just, just saying one more time, it's so important to zoom out on this because, you know, you you, talk, you gave two examples. Okay, maybe social media ex addiction. Okay, oh, raising my hand. Or, or it might be, you know, pornography or it might be this or that, but let's not Alcohol, get stuck. drugs. Right, yeah, right. Let's not get stuck in the type because it, the point is, if it's not, oh, well, I don't do that. Well, okay, maybe you don't do that, but that's not the point. It's like we all have a tendency to self-medicate somehow, and that's where we have to meet and, and get honest, right? Yeah. Before God, before ourselves and say, oh, what am I doing? What am I trying to fulfill that's not coming to the source of life? Because self-medication, self-identification, what's the common denominator in that? It's self, an obsession with self. And we think that's the answer, but I think what we're seeing is no, that's not the answer. Right. It's actually it's actually the opposite of the answer. It's 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 diminishing us. Yes. You hit it right on the head. It's it's humanism. Humanism is saying that I'm my own God, whether we say those words or not, but I know best. I'm gonna do everything for me. It's about me. So there's a form of narcissism that gets in there too, and we don't need to get into all of that. But it's yeah, just, next time. It's it's yeah. I would love to come back on, Nancy. There's a lot we could talk about because our world is is in a desperate place. But I see the light of the world, Jesus Christ shining brighter, and He's just saying, "Grab a hold of me." My salvation experience in 1998 was when I was in my bedroom in February of 1998, 24 years ago, not wanting to live anymore. I was 26, wanting to die. I had suicidal thoughts. I was in a very desperate place. And I learned as a child that I could call on the name of Jesus. And I called on the name of Jesus, and he came into my room 
Nobody can tell me otherwise. It was Jesus there, a supernatural experience. He came into my room, and this love overtook me. This hope overcame me. And he said, grab a hold of me. I saw him. I saw the nail scars in his hands, and I grabbed a hold of him, and he saved me. And I've held on to him since. Have I gotten it perfect every time? No. Have I needed healing through the years? Yes. Healing from sin? Full choices? Yes. But he's taken me to a place of sozo, of complete salvation. Again, am I perfect? No. Is there more healing for me? Sure, in certain areas. You know, we're on that transformation journey. But we get to walk that with Jesus the rest of our days here on earth. And it's a beautiful thing. I want to actually, Nancy, if I could leave your audience with uh, Romans 8. And I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. And it's verses 14 through 17. And I share this. I share this with people I minister to, whether in counseling or inner healing sessions. But it really sums up. It really sums up who we are and whose we are. And the title of it says, Sons and Daughters Destined for Glory. Romans 8, 14 through 17. The children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But instead, you received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never be or feel orphaned. For as the Holy Spirit rises up within us, our spirit joins the Holy Spirit in saying these words of tender affection, Abba, Father, or Beloved Father, Daddy, Papa, or Dad. For the Holy Spirit makes makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you, and I'm talking to all of you listening now, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we're joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Some translations say we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ himself. Thank you, Father, for this truth. You are a son. You are a daughter destined for glory and your daddy is God of the universe. If he's king, which we know he's king, you're a prince. You're a princess. And you have everything that he has been given, that has been given to Jesus, is given to you. The whole kingdom is yours. You have the keys to the kingdom. You're an heir. You have the power, the authority, the seal of Jesus Christ on you. You have God as your heavenly Good, good, perfect father. That's a pretty good deal. Keys to the kingdom, a place at the table. Jay, that was awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah. So I think we got to talk again sometime soon because uh, we, yeah, as usual, you know, just scratching the surface. But this was so hopeful, so encouraging. Thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Yes. It was good to be on, Nancy. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I just, uh, I really see what God is doing. I really see what God is doing through this platform and this podcast, this ministry that you have. So um, can I can I pray to, to wrap us up here? Would that be okay? Yeah, please do. So Father, I my heart is heavy right now. My heart is heavy because I know There are those listening right now. And I don't know your name. I don't know who you are. But you needed to hear this, that you are greatly loved by your heavenly Father. And maybe you haven't made that commitment to Jesus yet. And that's simply saying, Jesus, I want you. I need you. I'm sorry for the way I've been living. I want to I live for you and with you inside of me. So I just invite you into my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know what steps to take. Show me. It's as simple as that, as inviting Christ in. And then you experience that salvation, right? You, you're saved. But then he says, I want to heal you. I want to take you down this journey and take your burdens and go into those wounds and clean them up. I want to be that, uh, that antibiotic ointment 
in your soul. Let him do that. If you're struggling with your identity, whether it be your sexual identity, or whether it be knowing that you are a child of God, I just, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would touch them right now and that you would speak so clearly to them the truth, for the truth sets us free, and that you would remind them of your great love for them, that they're not alone. You know, the lie, one of the big lies the enemy speaking is they're all alone and they can't, you can't share, you can't be open because people will judge you. No. God, you're going to lead them to those people that will help them on this journey, that will help them grow, that will help them heal. Father, I just pray that you would meet with them now. Holy Spirit, I pray for those listening that they would have a road to Damascus experience like Saul did, where you appear to them like you did in my bedroom. And you say, I love you. Just grab a hold of me. That they would see you, Jesus, and see your great love for them and allow you in to heal their broken heart and bind up their wounds. Thank you for using Nancy. Continue to bless her in this ministry. And I just pray for everybody listening right now. I just pray blessing over you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And as the scripture says, don't turn to the right or the left. Don't look at what the world's doing. But say, Jesus, you're the one to calm the storm. You're the one that rebuked the waves. So I'm going to keep my eyes on you and I'm going to walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for each and every person listening today. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, hey, Jay, if there's someone that wants to get in touch with you, or like, you know, maybe I could use some of this this healing ministry. I'm not even sure what I think, but I know I want more. How could they get in touch with you? Well, I'm going to give you the link to Bridge to Freedom, our inner healing uh, and deliverance ministry. Um, and I'll also uh, give you my email address to my counseling ministry as well. So okay. it'll be on your uh your, I'll uh, put them in the show notes. Show notes. There you go. So Awesome. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks, Jay. You're welcome. Let's do this again. Definitely. Definitely. Can you see why I like this guy so much? Pastor, brother, kind of a big deal. Thanks, Jay, for joining me today. And as promised, we're going to have all his contact info in the show notes on my website, isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. So if you want to get a hold of Jay, that's the way. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our Misfit community. And you know when I call you a misfit, it is in the best possible way. Because we are not about mindless conformity just to fit in. But we are all about owning our awkward. Because that's the only way we can embark on the journey to be who God created us to be. And from there, we love our fellow misfits. What a great plan. So until next time, keep doing all the above. And keep looking out for glory. Because it's everywhere. Rearrange me here and now.